Episode 53, The Rant. Nate Kearley, Kansas State Intramural Supervisor, Collegiate Football Official, and NBA Grassroots Candidate. Sky's the limit for Nate. His potential and ambition are on a collision course with his opportunities. In this pod, we sit down with the precocious young man to discuss his come up as an intramural ref not knowing what to do, to seeking people that do, transitioning all the way to the NBA Grassroots Program. All that and more, my conversation with Nate, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref, with a special guest, Kansas State Intramural Supervisor and NBA Grassroots Prospect, Nate Kearley. How are you, my friend? Doing well, man. Just living the dream. How are you? I'm doing excellent today. I just had a baseball game that was like an hour and 15 minutes, so I'm pretty pretty amped up. It was nice outside, too. All right on. Uh, but I met this young man um, from Nick D'Amato, who contributes to Referee Rant already on the weekend called Weekend Wisdom. And uh, Nate said that uh, in the future, we're working on a project collaboration together about his experience being a uh, intramural supervisor as well as an NBA grassroots prospect. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So really quickly, what was the sports that you grew up playing? What was your relationship with those sports? And what did you play in middle school and in high school? Uh, I grew up uh, in a small town of about 1,400 people. So there really wasn't much to do but uh, besides be active. Uh, so I played uh, basketball, football, baseball, and I also played golf as well. So I was very active and always had something to do uh, around the clock. So uh, I uh, played basketball, football, and baseball in high school, and then just played golf with my dad and, uh, during the weekends, during the spring and summer. Um, and uh, I was fairly good, I think. I was uh, you know, very, very able to uh, get in the gym a lot because there wasn't much to do in my hometown and just really enjoyed being out with my friends and playing and uh, pick up basketball at the park or going to play baseball during the summer and traveling all over the southwest Kansas to, to play in uh, club club leagues and summer leagues. So I was very active. Mm. Now, did you uh, have you played any organized sports while you were in high school? Yes, yes. I played uh, basketball, football, and baseball. And obviously you're still in the midst of college. Um, do you play any sports right now currently? 
no, I just participate sparingly in uh, the intramural games at uh, K-State. Mm. So as you were coming up, initially, what was your relationship with officials as you were a player growing up? Uh, if, if you ask some of the referees that uh, that had me and that I've uh, worked with so far that had me in high school, and they, they'd say that I was probably a pain in the butt because uh, I was a little bit of a complainer and a whiner, admittedly, and uh, now seeing the other side of it, coming to the dark side, as they like to say it, uh, I realized that I wasn't probably the, the most, uh, the easiest player to deal with, but, you know, it's it's not it's no fun if maybe a, a player doesn't challenge you a little bit once in a while. Mm. So how did you even get into uh, the game of officiating? Uh, it was my uh, first day at college at, at Kansas State, and it was uh, September, uh, first couple days of September, and I got a call from from a guy who's from my hometown. His name's Brett Holloway, and uh, he gave me a call and said, "Hey, what are you doing on Friday night?" And I said, "I don't know. I don't even I don't even know what I'm going to have for my my next meal. What what do you have in mind?" And he said, "Well, I need an umpire for Friday night, so you're going to come referee with me, and uh, we're going to go go make some money." And I said, well, "What are you talking about, Brett? It's September. Uh, umpires work baseball." And so I was just completely oblivious to. Uh, to what all entailed with refereeing, and so I got some stripes and a hat and a flag, and we we headed north to go work a football game, and uh, that's pretty much how I got into it. Mm. Oh yeah, we we forgot about that. You're into football as well. So um, describe even further that first experience when you officiated that game. Okay, so we uh, I kind of had a crash course because I only had a few days to uh, prepare for it a little bit, and uh, basically the. The advice I got from ref, from Brett, who was the referee on the crew, he uh, took my flag from me after we got all dressed and ready to go, and he, he looked at me dead in the eye and said, this will stay in your pocket throughout the remainder of the game. And I said, yes, sir, you got it. And then he had the, the next bit of information was, uh, you're the umpire, Nate. I need you to go get the ball once the play is over and spot it, and then look at me for further instruction. So I said, yes, sir. And I'll never forget that the first play of, of the game from scrimmage was a deep pass down the sideline. And it was probably about 40, 50 yards down the field. It was an incomplete pass. And I remember hearing the whistle. And I remember uh, thinking back to what Brett said. And he said, go get the ball and spot it. And then look at me for further instruction. And so I took off from about 40 or 50 yards away, sprinted to the ball and got there before the back judge got to it sprinted all the way back, set it down, and Brett was laughing his butt off, and he was <laughs> just shaking his head, and he blew the ready for play, and I couldn't figure out what he was laughing about. And I was just totally oblivious, but I was just trying to do exactly what he told me to do. Mm. And I'm sure that in that particular moment, it was amazing how calm he was, so calm to the point that he found it humorous of what you were doing, and you were probably so utterly lost and, and confused and, and kind of nervous in that moment. Um, oh. That's kind of like a sink or swim moment. That's a fork in the road moment where you can say, you know what, I kind of like this rush, and maybe if I start taking it serious. So having said that, what do you think um, got you to the point where you started taking it serious, serious? I think what got me to the point of taking it serious was uh, when I was in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska for a uh, NURSA regional basketball tournament in uh, February of 2016. Uh, it was uh, – we have – student referees from across the region that come referee these club and intramural sports games at the University of Nebraska at this NURSA regional. And a guy by the name of Jason Gant told me after the uh, conclusion of the tournament, after I received a bid to the national tournament, he said, 
have you ever thought about doing this uh, full time and maybe uh, doing this outside of just intramurals? And I said, no. And he said, well, you really should, because I think you can go all the way. You can go as far as even being an NBA referee. And I had never once thought about that before. And so uh, that was kind of my first experience with, okay, maybe I should, you know, maybe start trying to take this seriously. Um, but then the second part of that is I really took it even a step further in my seriousness and, January of 2017, when I became an intramural supervisor at K-State, uh, that kind of really flipped the switch of not just relying on my talents anymore and uh, focused more on becoming process-oriented to really have a go at this thing. So being given the, the reins to the program, basically being able to teach student referees and having to teach the instruction, know the instruction uh, frontwards and backwards, that kind of made me a little bit more serious about actually pursuing this profession. Mm. And shout out to Jason Gant, who was episode 26 of The Rant and uh, intramural coordinator for Farmingdale State here in New York. What's up, man? Um, but I did want to go back. I just wanted to hear about your first experience doing basketball before you even became a supervisor in the intramural arena. You just want me to talk about my first experience with basketball? Yeah. So my first experience with basketball was uh, at Kansas State. And uh, it was after uh, flag football season that I worked on campus and kind of got acclimated with uh, what all entailed of being a, a student referee. And so went through the training and was uh, I picked it up pretty fast and had some great mentors and people that guided me along the way to continue to maybe develop me a little bit faster than maybe some other people wanted to. So I had a little bit of the hunger of and competitive spirit of wanting to be better than what I was yesterday. So... Uh, just going through the intramural season showed a sign or two of a uh, little bit of promise. And then um, given me, my supervisors gave me selection to work the fraternity championship game. And then I was sent on to a, a regional tournament and then just kind of moved on from there. And that was kind of really my first taste of basketball. And I wasn't good enough to move on to play basketball in college. And I loved basketball from the moment I started playing when I was three or four years old. And so this is just a way for me to stay involved in the game and to be able to continue to give back to the game that gave so much to me. Mm. And so that's why I really want to take this refereeing thing and continue to use it to serve others as, just as they served me. Right. So I, I, you mentioned your first experience doing football and you just mentioned Jason Gant. Um, and we talked off air last week about Nelson Santiago and how pivotal he was. And he even talked on episode 47 of of what he saw in you in the classroom, which was really cool to hear and put the put the face to the name of of, of it now. Um, discuss your other mentors, who they are, what they've done for your career, and how do you think they've shaped the way you have helped people now after you? Yeah, so uh, I'll just take it right with the with Nelson Santiago. So I met Nelson uh, at the NURSA National Basketball Tournament in Columbus, Ohio, in uh, April of 2017, and. And he told me that same thing that he shared with you in episode 47 of uh, he was just scanning the room uh, during the first bit of instruction uh, for the clinic at the at the national tournament. And he saw that I was being disciplined and taking detailed notes and all that. And he kind of latched onto that. So he approached me after that first part of the clinic and said, hey, man, like I'm interested in you know, continuing to, to uh, gr help you grow as a referee. So here's my number, here's my contact information, yada, yada, yada. And we kind of just uh, took our uh, relationship to the next level. And he is the epitome of a great mentor and what it means to be a great mentor. And what I mean by that is he's available, he is knowledgeable, 
about what he's talking about. And he provides a, uh, a higher level of knowledge about the game that I have than I have currently. And so I'm able to pick his brain to take things from his game and implement it into my game. And he's always available and willing to give me some of that information. And so I'm very, very thankful for him and his, his role in my development. Uh, some other people are uh, Tyler Burroughs and Armando Espinoza, who are my uh, co-coordinators of intramural sports at Kansas State. They, they're my bosses, and they also referee football and basketball as well. So uh, the same things that they're learning and teaching me are the same same things that they learned as well. So developing me and taking me in as an 18-year-old blank canvas and uh, adding a little bit of everything basically is, uh, as I like to put it, is they, they provided the spice to, to my bland chicken. So they, I don't like, nobody likes to eat bland chicken. And so they spiced me up. They seasoned me and got me ready to, to be successful, not only as a referee, but also as a person and a human being once I leave this university. So they do a great job of not only referee development, but also student development and developing uh, personal skills and communication skills and anything that you need to be successful in this world post-graduation. Mm. Uh, another person, another two people are uh, Danica Mosier and Mark Lindsay. Uh, I don't get to talk to them so much as I do with Nelson or Tyler or Armando, uh, but those two really kind of, in addition to Nelson, uh, give me an, a higher level of knowledge about the game. And, and Danica's in the G League, and Mark's obviously in the NBA, works in the playoffs. And for them to be able to give their time. Uh, to a lowly life like me is very humbling and it just reminds me that if I do happen to continue to advance in this process uh, to be able to give back and help those who are in the same position that I was uh, that's that's very uh, very humbling and I'm very appreciative of their efforts as well so how they how they're going to shape me as a mentor is I'm doing the same things with my student referees at Kansas State and people that I mentor uh the same way that they have mentored me, uh, always being available, uh, being knowledgeable about what I'm talking about, and always being transparent and honest with my feedback, evaluation, critique, and advice so that when they get to the stages that I'm at, or even if they want to surpass me, which is totally what I'm all about, um, that they have the tools necessary because I gave them that information and I used my experiences to help them not make the same mistakes that I did so that they can excel faster than even I did. So that's how uh, my mentors have helped shape me and uh, given me all the tools to be able to give back to my university and to my peers uh, that I mentor as well. Do you find it a challenge that you are kind of their peers in, in terms of you being a supervisor for the intramural program and that you have to dispense information with people that could possibly be older than you and then sometimes uh, of, of the same age as you? Oh, yes, absolutely. So uh, it's just the same way as, you know, you, you got to give respect uh, to gain respect. And so to always uh, be respectful and, and cognizant of who you're talking to is very important in this uh, profession, especially as I'm, I've been given this position to be a, uh, somewhat of a superior to my intramural referees. Uh, I don't ever want to come, come down and talk down to them. So always asking them what I can do to help them usually kind of breaks the ice or what can I bring to the table to help you is, is easier to communicate with them. And especially with the older, older students and even some of the older referees that I work with that aren't even students at Kansas state 
it's always what can I do to help you, not here's what you need to do to be better or here's what you need to do to make me happy. Uh, I'm never going to want to project that I know everything or that I'm better than somebody just because, you know, I've had X amount of success as compared to theirs. But always being respectful and giving respect to gain respect is is how I uh, counteract that challenge of being with my peers and then maybe being the younger guy in, uh, in the in the locker room and trying to lead from behind and not always have, trying to get the last word or be the dominant alpha in the room. Mm. That's that's how I uh, kind of operate. So you mentioned a lot of people that have helped you and shaped the way you uh, treat this whole game of officiating. Um, a lot of them are under the NBA umbrella. So having said that, how did you even get into the NBA grassroots program? And how did they find you? That's a great question. Um, just as I met Nelson at the uh, 2017 National Tournament, uh, J.B. Caldwell was the keynote speaker. And, and Nelson saw me taking those detailed notes and being uh, a great student of the game. Uh, he saw me doing that while J.B. Uh, Caldwell was talking. And J.B. is the uh, head of the scouting department for the NBA, for NBA referees. And he goes all over the country and sometimes even uh, abroad to find referees, to identify them, to put them in the process. And so it was really just a, a right place at the right time uh, kind of thing. My, my, I'll never forget this moment either. I was working a game uh, that weekend at the national tournament. I think it was the day after JB gave the keynote speech. And I noticed that he was sitting down in the corner of my court uh, while we were getting ready to start the game. So I was honestly, I was a little bit nervous and kind of a little bit starstruck, but you know, once the ball goes up, you know, you're locked into the game. And I remember the first, first possession of the game, I had a crash play at lead right off the tip, probably about four or five seconds into the game. And I whistled it and did really emphatically a block signal and signaled two shots. And I remember reporting it and then turning around and I remember taking a peek over at JB, and he had just scribbled something down in his notebook, closed it up, and got up and walked out of the gym. Uh-oh. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, Nate, you just ruined any chance you had of becoming <laughs> a pro referee. You just screwed it all up with that terrible call. And it turned out that the a couple hours later that day, JB had a sit-down conversation with me, and asked me if I was uh, interested in becoming a professional referee, and I said, absolutely. And then he said, well, this is what it takes. Here's what I need you to do. Uh, X, Y, and Z, I need you to do it. And so, of course, I did X, Y, and Z, and that's kind of how I got uh, identified and uh, put into the uh, NBA grassroots program. Awesome, man. And, uh, of course, before I, I go on with the questions, continued success with that process, and um, Referee Rant will be there supporting you in every step of the way. And as you document all of it, as it happens. Um, Thank you, man. So we all know in this industry, uh, the summer is camp season, right? And obviously you can see I've been in baseball mode because I got the facial hair going. But obviously as soon as I go back to camp, I'm going to be clean shaven. So uh, what are your plans for the summer? And if you are going to camps, what's your mindset during that the camp season? Great question. Great question. So, uh, so far this summer, I've been to uh, both hiring camps and teaching camps. And I think there's an important distinction you have to make uh, between hiring camps and teaching camps. So what I mean specifically is when I'm going to a teaching camp, such as proactive referee uh, for Mark Lindsay in, in Philadelphia, a teaching camp is 
you know, somewhere where that you go to just learn as much information as you can and, and soak it all in and be a sponge because that person that's running that teaching camp, they're not going to give you games. They can't give you, uh, you know, 10 dates at $250 a pop uh, to make you $2,500 uh, during the season. What you're doing uh, by going to teaching camps is showing that you're wanting to go get the best information you can and soak it all up and come in with a, a filled notebook when you come back home and take all that information you learned from the teaching camp and apply it to your games in the summer league that you work at and in your prep work uh, before the season starts so that when the season does start, you are higher. Le- you're working at a higher level than you did in the last time you stepped on the floor. And that should be uh, the goal for every referee is to be better than what you were the previous year, the previous month, the previous game, the previous half, or the previous quarter. Mm. Um, so teaching camps are really aimed at just learning as much information as you can and being a sponge and asking as many good questions as you can to, to learn from from people like Mark Lindsay and then uh, like people like Ed Rush and Rob Rourke at Court Club who do a great job of teaching people uh, how to be great referees. Mm. And, and so hiring camps, on the flip side, everybody's going for a job. It's capitalism at its best. You know, the the uh, people who run those are the, you know, the the assigners for those leagues and those conferences, and they are looking only for the best product that they can to put on the on their games because they're not going to take, you know, the the seventy one percent when they can take the ninety five percent or the ninety six percent or the closest thing to a finished product or that the best referee uh, prospect they can. So. The mindset there is it's not so much maybe a more individualized uh, me versus we uh, crew situation, crew dynamic, but taking as much as as much as you can from those teaching camps and applying those into uh, your performance at the hiring camps. uh, That's really what where you make your money and how you get picked up is taking all that information that you've been taught at teaching camps and applying it here where they're evaluating just basically solely your performance and how you can maybe fit into uh, their hire, their hiring process and potentially get you games into their, in their leagues. So a hiring camp is more cutthroat. You know, you got guys that are really all about themselves and they're trying to get noticed and it's, it's a look at me thing. So don't get discouraged too much with maybe someone who's not as nice to you at a hiring camp as they probably would be at a teaching camp because they're trying to get that job, that spot, same spot that you are Mm. so it's more cutthroat hiring camps but if you go to the right places and you work with the right people and you do the right things for the right reasons at the right time you'll have success at both hiring camps and at teaching camps Mm. Uh, so as far as my plans for the summer i've already been to uh four camps and here we are it's uh may 19th may 20th and so i've got a pretty uh fun-filled summer when i went to a and an AI camp, hiring camp, and then I, I went to grassroots in April, excuse me, in May, first weekend of May, and then I also have been to uh, a teaching camp here in Kansas, and then I also went to NBA mid-level uh, in, ha- in Hampton, Virginia this past weekend as well, and uh, I have, just as I mentioned, you know, proactive referee in uh, early June uh, on the docket, and then I'm also going to another teaching camp uh, called Court Club Elite in Indianapolis, where we're going to be working the USA Basketball National Championships. And then I'll also go to uh, Division II 
invite camp in uh, June as well. And then I've got a uh, hiring camp or trying to boost my schedule camp basically for the, the JUCO and NAI conference here in Kansas as well that I work for, uh, for John Blazik. So I've got a pretty fun-filled summer, and uh, I've already been to two football camps as well and clinics as an instructor for the Division II league that I'm in. So I'm a pretty busy man here in the summer. We don't really like to take a lot of time off. Mm. So I know that um, your your cup runneth over when it comes to basketball, and you do a little bit of football. Um, would you consider officiating any other sport, even though your, your plate is already full? I think that uh, – I'd really like to try baseball again. I, I worked some baseball in the summers when I was in high school and, and kind of enjoyed that doing that. I uh, didn't enjoy so much the hot summers as uh, hot summer nights of uh, the bugs biting your neck and then crouching down behind the plate every single uh, uh, pitch. But I think I'd, if I had to choose another one, I'd probably pick baseball to get back into it because of the, uh, because I have the, of the love for the game that I had when I was playing in high school and, and middle school and T-ball and, uh, that's probably the one I would choose to get back into. Mm. And, you know, I'll just say from a baseball umpire myself, you can't recreate a patient whistle when the most patience is required in the game of baseball on top of a sport that you don't even use a whistle. So your presence is everything in baseball. Um, Perfect. After everything that you said, what, what do you think are the attributes? What did you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as an official? That's not a great question. Uh, I think that the the top three things that got me to where I am now, uh, on top of just being me, uh, these three things kind of really define me. Uh, number one is discipline. Number two would be sacrifice. And, and number three would be that I'm a great listener. Uh, with discipline, it's, it's it involves studying my decisions with game film religiously. So I'll uh, break down a game and grade myself on, Am I in a dependable position at the start, during the play, and at the end of the play? And then I'll move on to, do I work to maintain open looks with position adjustments? Uh, then I'll move on to, how do I look? Am I being strong with my signals? And do I project confidence? Do I have a great presence, like you mentioned, with baseball umpires? But that's really necessary. It's still necessary in the, on the basketball court and on the football field as well. And then I'll move into uh, grading the calls that I make, you know, which includes grading correct plays, correct calls, incorrect calls, no call corrects, and no call incorrects. So that's a very taxing process, but it's it's a necessary evil to, to excel and to get better and understand why I made the decision I did on the floor and correct anything that needs correcting before the next time I take the floor. So that, that discipline is uh, kind of an everyday thing that I need to check off my list. Was I disciplined today? Did I – did I eat well? Did I get in the gym? Did I get better physically? And then mentally, did I watch game film? Did I study my decisions? Am I doing the things necessary to continue to succeed today so that I can succeed tomorrow to be better than I was yesterday? Um, <clears throat> with sacrifice, I feel like I could write a whole dissertation on what that feels like, honestly. Um, you know, a normal average run-of-the-mill college student will, you know, go to class, uh, do homework, and then uh, go hang out and do whatever they please. Um, but me being a full-time student and basically a full-time referee on top of that, and then adding my responsibilities at the intramural department as a supervisor, I'm a really busy person. So I've got to have my priorities in line and maybe get rid of some things that'll take away from uh, my other responsibilities. So I've got to kind of sacrifice some things uh, that maybe other college students don't have to. 
Uh, I've had to sacrifice going to uh, K-State football and basketball games, which is a really fun time. Uh, great environments, both at the football stadium and the basketball arena. And uh, uh, I've also had to sacrifice time with my friends. And I rarely get to see my family. They live about four hours away. I got two two young nephews that are a ball of, ball of joy and that are wild, and I love getting to be around. So that's tough to not be able to see them very often. And then when I do have free time, that's spent balancing schoolwork and, and film study, like I mentioned, and then finding an hour or two here and there to make time for friends and to just kind of be a kid. Uh, so it's hectic during uh, football and basketball season. That's where it's important to, to have discipline, like I mentioned again, and stick to a routine to get all your daily responsibilities taken care of in a timely manner so that you can have some free time and be a kid once in a while. You know, I feel like I've had to grow up faster than most people because of the time commitments with refereeing and being in school and then on top of my job at K-State Intramurals as well. But I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly. I, I love what I do, and uh, the, the sacrifices are necessary, and I, I'm uh, at peace with those sacrifices. And then the final thing I mentioned is being a great listener. Uh, I always say that I'm not a great referee. I'm just a great listener because people who are better than me give me intangible things to work on and it's on me to implement those things. So my big thing with my intramural referees is I know, I know what you need to do to improve for your next game or for the next half. Here's what you need to do. Here's X, Y, and Z of what you need to do to do that. I expect you to implement that. So that the next time we talk, we can talk about something else to continue to build your foundation deeper instead of continually talking about the same thing. And that's the same thing what I'm talking about is at hiring camps. Uh, what they're looking for is what have you done at teaching camps to build your foundation so you can continue to go from step one to step two to step three because they don't want to talk to you about the same thing. You don't want to hear the same thing game one at a hiring camp and game four at a hiring camp. They're talking about the same thing because you haven't implemented that critique that you should have learned at the, at the teaching camps or that you even learned that you should be doing at game one and you're still making that same mistake at game four. So it's important to be a great listener and listen to the people who are trying to help you get to where you want to be. And if you are a great listener and you implement those things that they're giving you, your, your development will be expedited and you'll go up the ranks as fast as you can because – you are listening and implementing that advice that you're given and in, instead of having it go in one ear and out the others. So listen with intent. Ed Rush and Rod Work came out with a video series on that uh, topic. And listening with intent gives me the opportunity to expedite my development and continue to uh, put me in a position to succeed. So discipline, sacrifice, and listening. Being a great listener, I would – Definitely recommend those three traits to, to describe you if you're going to be a great referee and a great person. Mm. And having said those three attributes, um, to move it further along, what's it going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go in this game? I think just continued uh, continued discipline and continued sacrificing, being continuing to be a great listener. But on top of that, uh, also patience. I think patience is very important and. I am blessed to have the expedited development that not a lot of other referees can say they did. You know, most people don't start refereeing until you know after they graduate or they're 25 plus years old looking for extra income, and, and some don't even start till till they're in their 30s. So everybody's path is different, and, and that's totally okay. But mine just happened to begin at eight, at 18 years old. Um, 
I have, you know, the referee world at my fingertips because I've, I've had discipline. Uh, I've shown the sacrifice and, and the want to, and then I, I'm also a great listener. Uh, but sometimes I get impatient. Uh, just like I talked about uh, off air with you a little bit. My first year as a college basketball referee, I only worked 10 JV games in the KCAC NAI conference uh, in Kansas. And I felt that I was good enough to you know, work the conference games with the big boys or maybe work the JUCO games with the big boys. But the assigner had my, his best his best interests and my best interests as a referee in my development in, in mind at that time. And I'm very thankful that he did because I definitely was not ready, even though I thought I was. Uh, and then even as the years go on and I get X number of games when I want Y number of games, and I think that I deserve you know this much more than what I'm being given. It took me a long time to figure that out where the assigners – you know, have their best interest in mind, but they also really do have uh, the individual referee's best interest in mind and not being able to put that referee in a position to fail, but always in a position to succeed. So displaying a little bit of patience is something that I've recently learned is very important uh, for, for me and my development. So I've already you know done so much in my time and not a lot of people have said no to me. So when I do get, uh, get a little bit of uh, pushback or somebody does say, no, you're not advancing to the next level. It's very humbling. And I'm appreciative of that now more so than I was early in my, even though I'm still early in my career, obviously, but earlier in my development, uh, I can take that a little bit better than what I did maybe previously and develop a little bit of patience and understanding that whatever, whatever decision they make is going to be in their best interest and my best interest, uh, especially in, you know, in this NBA process as well, you know, whatever the decision the G League management team makes on me this summer uh, won't change how I go back to work intramural games or high school games or college games this coming season. I mean, yeah, it'll be incredible if I get in, but I don't want to put an unrealistic expectation on myself and put all those eggs into one basket. And then if the news comes back as, you know, not this year, I don't want to be completely devastated because I know that staying true to the process uh, the results will take care of themselves. And so just developing a sense of patience is really going to get me uh, to where I want to go. And knowing that so long as I stay true to the process, the results will take care of themselves. And if I do the right things for the right reasons at the right time, uh, the results will come. Uh, but it's just never on your time. It's always uh, whoever holds the cards will will deal them out to you when you when they feel that it's necessary to deal them out to you. So. Uh, developing patience is going to really going to help me get where I want to go. Right. And Nelly mentioned on his episode that um, there's oh, but so many doors that can open. Um, There's a hundred of them. And I'm sure that there's going to be one open for you. Um, But, but I did want to discuss what so far, what has been your stickiest situation in officiating, whether it be football or whether it be baseball when you were in high school or basketball now. Oh man, that's tough. Um, I would have to say that uh, it's probably probably the Court Club Las Vegas uh, 2017 Adidas Summer National Championships. Uh, it was the 17 and under championship game. I was selected to work with uh, Latreya Daniel and Jeff Hansen, who are two of my really great friends uh, in refereeing, and that I can kind of expand on that that fraternity uh, later on. But um, 17 and under championship game uh, being broadcasted live, so. A little bit of nerves there as well, but uh, late in the game, I'm at trail, 
it's a one or two possession game or something like that at the time, maybe three or four minutes left. And Lee has an offensive foul on a crash play. Uh, but from trail, I see and know that this secondary defender's feet are in the restricted arc. So I hit my whistle and go to lead before they can report this offensive foul. And we change it to a block. And the coach goes crazy saying that isn't a rule and all this. And we end up hitting him uh, with a technical foul. And so it kind of just really uh, expanded the, or excuse me, raised the intensity of the game when it was totally unnecessary to do. So the game ends and, and Ed Rush and Rob Rourke and NBA referee Justin Van Dyne just grill me for an hour about how we're using the high school rules and how that, the restricted arc doesn't apply to the high school rules we were using. And we have been all weekend and that I shouldn't have done that and so on and so forth. And I just kept taking these hits with professionalism and, and took responsibility. And instead of being a, a yeah, but guy, even though on the inside, I was just getting crushed. My confidence was getting crushed. You know, my spirit was getting crushed, but man, it, it was a, a real, real tough situation. Uh, to be 20 years old, two years into my career and feeling really good about, you know, working the Adidas summer national championship game and then have it all come crashing down with heavy, heavy criticism from some heavy hitters and, and big time people in the referee world. Um, but in hindsight, you know, hindsight's 2020, that was such a perfect moment to, to have with perfect timing. You know, God needed, knew that I needed to be humbled. Uh, and, and that grew my relationship with Ed and Rob, and I even saw Justin this past weekend in Virginia, and we caught up and talked about how that was a crucial moment in my journey. And I thanked him for his transparency and honesty. And I've also had conversations with, with Ed and Rob about that as well and thanked them as well for their transparency and honesty uh, at that time. And, you know, now we can laugh about it and view it as a positive occurrence. But at the time and going back to the hotel and flying home, I felt so small and had depleted confidence. Uh, even though it's subsided shortly following that, but sometimes we we need a kick in the rear and a reminder to always stay humble and be disciplined in knowing the system that we're working. Mm. Uh, so I'm incredible, incredibly thankful for that sticky situation. That's probably the stickiest situation that I've been in. That sounds super sticky. That sounds like some heavy weight for a 20 year old. That where there's all these NBA observers. I don't even know how I'd be right now. Um, but conversely, describe your best moment so far in officiating. Best moment, okay. Um, I, I think of two separate kind of general things, and I'll give you know, one specific example at the end of those. And the first part of the best moment is is the car rides to the game with my partners and the the camaraderie of of refereeing and kind of how I mentioned with Latreya and Jeff uh, being two of my great friends is developing the the friendships and the relationships with people all across the country um, when you go to these camps and 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 in refereeing and refereeing these games in Kansas and then all over the country is developing the relationships with those people and then being able to send plays to them, you know, ask them how they're doing, what, what would they do in this situation? Um, any advice that they have that they're hearing from people in their area uh, about refereeing and developing those relationships is just such a fun part about refereeing and having friends across the country and building those connections can really open doors for you, even beyond refereeing. Let's say like I've become great friends with a referee who, you know, has a has his own business and I'm looking for a job. Uh, he can open that door for he or she can open that door for me and give me a job and uh, enhance my livelihood because we created that connection uh, through refereeing. Um, and then the, the second part uh, that is 
uh, the teaching part uh, of what I do at Kansas State Intramurals. That's really, really reward, rewarding to me to be able to see a student referee or any, any referee take your input and critique and implement it and seeing the light bulb go off in their head. Serving others is is awesome to me. And I'm my degree is going to be in education. I'm going to be a teacher or a professor. And being able to serve others in, in refereeing, through refereeing, is, is incredibly rewarding. And that's really uh, what I think is probably one of the best parts about refereeing. Mm. Um, my best moment, probably specifically, uh, is refer to a specific occurrence in my career, uh, I think I would go with uh, the getting selected to work a state tournament in Kansas in my second year working high school basketball. Uh, that kind of solidified to me that staying true to the process was working and that the dedication and conviction I had for refereeing was paying off. Now, I'm blessed to have the people in power who believed in, believed in and trusted in me you know, that a 20-year-old could work a state tournament and do an exceptional job at that. And so that was really cool. And, and my dad and a few of my mentors and friends surprised me and showed up uh, to the arena to watch me work. And that was just kind of an emotional moment for me, knowing that I had the support of my family and peers in the pursuit of being the best referee that I could be. Uh, so that was really, really special to me. So I, I, would, I would choose that as my best moment. And that won't, there will be more better moments to come, I'm sure. Um, just really quickly, out of curiosity of my own personal standpoint, how did you even catch wind of refererant.com and how do you see yourself uh, moving forward and collaborating with us? I caught wind of it uh, with Nick Otto at the NURSA National Tournament in Wichita, Kansas, uh, just this past April 2019. And he, he, he and I were just having a conversation about uh, refereeing and kind of both of our stories and he mentioned referee Rand mentioned you Ralph and, and this uh, platform that you've created and this podcast and video series that uh, you have up here. And I take a, took a look at it and was really kind of inspired and kind of wanted to be part of that. So Nick gave me uh, your contact information or maybe sent my contact information to you and the ball got rolling from there. So I'm just, I'm super excited to be part of this, man. I'm very blessed and humbled that you, or taking some time to, to talk to a, a lowly peon like myself in the referee world uh, to be able to share my story. And I'm really looking forward to also collaborating with you in the future on anything that you need, Max. Now, y'all, you can't get rid of me. I'm going to be like a, like a bad fish smell from somebody putting a fish in the, in the vent. Can't get rid of me, man. I'm going to be uh, having a hand in everything you do now. Cool, man. And um, we, we welcome you with open arms and, you know, we look forward to getting your insight with a lot of the things that you're involved with. Um, having said that, um, is there fi any final things or thoughts that you want to say before we part ways? I, I would just, uh, if, if anybody's out there listening to the end of this podcast and they haven't got too bored of me yet, uh, I would say that any referee out there that's uh, maybe looking to climb the ladder a little bit, just really listen to uh, the passion in my voice when I'm talking about what got me to where I am, the discipline, the sacrifice, and being a great listener, and, and then developing patience as well is um, it's never on your time. Just just know that you got to stay true to the process and surround yourself with great people, uh, both in the referee world and outside the referee world, and develop great traits to be a great person because people hire great people uh, just as much as they hire good referees. So. Uh, take what I what I said with, uh, with a little bit of solace and 
know that it comes from a great place of what I've learned so far and take it, implement it, and I promise you that you'll see great success uh, in in your endeavors with both refereeing and in and your personal lives. Man, you're you're such a pre- precocious young man um, here at Referee Rant. I just want to say we have your you have our full support, um, and I know Kansas State has has your full support as well as the NBA. I know they definitely have your support. Um, man, this is this has been amazing. I think this is really good for for people to listen to, especially when they're early on in their career, because you know a lot of people are lost and and they don't have the fortunate circumstance to hear somebody of your age that takes it that serious with the tenacity that you have and the ambition. And you could see how far you can go when you take it serious and how many people in this game are willing to help. Um, great, Absolutely. man. So thank you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, for no, Nate Kier- go, go ahead. Thank you for having me. I'm very humbled. Me too, man. Me too. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm continued success and I'm looking forward to your development in the future. Uh, For Nate Kearley, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We're signing out. Peace.